three, two, nice and tea, one. Critic, we are live. What? Like nice tea, critic. <laughs> yeah, thanks. All right, so the big boy. You guys like my my really creaky chair? I mean, I'm. Let, let's do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not happening. No. We're all ready. I got rid of the creaky chair. About time. Yeah. Episode 10 of the Q&A. So let's uh, dive right into the format. Uh, you want to see what my chair looks like? Uh, okay, that's kind of awkward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Quick, lift it up. Let's see. People can actually see this chair. There's a, there's a mini really. dumpster in the background. <laughs> yeah, mini dumpster in the background. <laughs> Bottom left, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Always got to put them in the trash, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Never not, never not put them in the trash. Um, before Abraham was, my advice was, okay, Zartra laws. <laughs> and prehistoric tuna. Shout up, bro. Shout out to the bro, the tuna man. The, uh, the tuna from the past. It's like an undead tuna fish. You know what I mean? It's prehistoric. So anyway, uh -huh. let's talk about the format. Uh, Q&A. Right, the format is... Ah, me or you? Go for it. All right. The format is we will be primarily taking questions from the Discord server because people have questions which are... Well, the, the first question I will be asking comes from the 22nd of October, so we have at least a week or two worth of questions here, and we try to get these ones out of the way. On top of that, if we do get a super chat question, obviously, um, since me and Chase are sellouts, we will prioritize that one. Coin-operated. Exactly. is coin-operated. Coin it's part of his Australian genes, you know. It's gotta... Right. It's part of my contract, too. I need to have yes. a coin slot. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we will be primarily taking questions from the Discord and then the Super Chat, and then primarily more towards the end, that is when we will start taking questions from the YouTube chat. And at that point, that'll probably be around the end of the episode. So on that note, you want to get started? Or do you have any announcements you need to make? Uh, announcements? Uh, yes. Uh, one, I haven't been around doing videos this week because I was really sick. And uh, I'm still recovering, uh, but more uh, lectures are coming. Uh, I don't think we're going to be doing a premiere episode this week, although we still might. Uh, and uh, we just migrated our podcast from our old host to a new host. And uh, if you want to uh, financially support uh, the podcast, uh, you can actually do that now. It tells you in iTunes and everywhere else, basically. You just click the link. Or you can do it on the front page of the YouTube uh, channel specifically. Or eventually, I mean, I, hopefully you can now do it on our website at csjoseph.life. Uh, we're also going to be launching a Patreon soon, so that is coming. And uh, I just met with the team tonight. We uh, were checking out all the really cool stuff that we're going to be giving away with the various tiers for the Patreon, which I'm very excited about as well. And uh, we're also working on a whole bunch of other really dope projects, including page three of the uh, type grid document to give you additional tips and tricks on how to type people. So that is coming. Awesome. That sounds like it's the dopest as usual. So Jab, let's fire it off and uh, throw some questions at me. All right. Now let's see. This first question. Sorry. Second. All right, the first question is, the NITI loop, is it real? And if so, what should we understand about it? 
the NITI loop. So that would be basically for, um, are you talking like TINI optimistic? I'm assuming that's what they mean, right? So that would basically apply to ISTPs and INFJs, right? Mm, I'm thinking maybe pessimistic because usually when people talk about loops, they talk about a rat hole of conflict. So maybe it's the pessimistic kind, kind of, but we've also had people who get stuck using their hero and their child because their parent is not really developed either. You know what I mean? Like right. their parent function is not not developed. You don't you don't have that thing that's like controlling the child, man. Oh, that child's running around! Quick, get the get the broom, right? Or no, don't don't use a broom. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. No, no, no. Like like actually, from a parenting standpoint, um, SI users, if you have SI user children, they actually respond very well to spanking. Uh, they don't really respond well to taking away their freedom or privileges per se. But if you take away right. choices and freedoms and privileges away from SE children, that's more effective. It's a waste of time to spank SE children. Like literally don't do that. Uh, but to answer this question specifically, what do you do if you're caught in a TINI loop or does it exist? Yes, it is a thing. It does exist. It's actually a very immature thing to do, a person can do. And the users, uh, the types that actually typically do that are INFJs and ISTPs uh, specifically. Because you have that TI hero teaming up with the NI child or you have the NI hero uh, teaming up with the uh, TI child in both those situations, right? So the, the one of the main uh, issues that they have is that they just like, I want what I want and I think what I wanted, you know, and it just turns into this, like, they just go off the handle uh, and they make a lot mm -hmm. of poor decisions. And the reason why this is, is because their parent function isn't really developed. So they have right. to learn how to develop their parent function in order to get that child under the reins so that the hero is not necessarily always teaming up with the child and throwing them into immature or bad situations consistently. Uh, and uh, that's basically, uh, it's, uh, you know, kind of an issue per se. So uh, just mm -hmm. be aware of that. You want to make sure that you're focusing on developing your parent function and uh, being as mature as possible. Uh, and which episode uh, can you learn that? It is season 16, episode two. Uh, what is the cognitive attitude of the parent function? And that will answer the rest of that question. Uh, so Jab, I see Cured Caring yeah. is there. Hello, Cured Caring. INTJ. Is he that to me? I don't know. Uh, what is bad with an ENTP woman? I have one. Just so you know, it's amazing. Love your work. I, I, is that, I don't is know that a to question to that. me? I, I don't know. Well, you, I, I have no idea. I'm not go, sure if he's being INTJ, but he's an INTJ, or if he's saying, Mr. INTJ in this video, answer this question for me. Yeah, please, Mr. Cured Carating, uh, Catering, please, uh, Carating, yes, Cured Carating, no, <laughs> uh, please uh, put a uh, uh, some additional context around your question, otherwise I'm just going to let Jab assume the context of your question and answer it himself. <laughs> what is bad with an ENTP woman? Okay. All right, let's do it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it from Jab. Oh, I um, oh he, he is an INTJ. What is wrong with an ENTP woman? Uh, it's the ideal highest compatibility for an INTJ, so technically not wrong, but you have to make sure that they are definitely loyal to you and that you as a yep. man, you are being as manly as possible. What does that mean? You have a job, 
you have your own place and you have a car because if you don't have those things that ENTP woman can't be loyal to you and she's likely to end up with somebody else instead of you potentially actually cheating on you in the process because she doesn't have any respect for you as a person right so you got to make sure that you have those requirements ahead of time so that she stays loyal to you also in order to make sure that she stays loyal to you you have to consistently commit yourself to giving her a good experience at all times right but yeah. Uh, because she does that, she, uh, because you're doing that for her, she'll automatically go out of her way to give you all the freedom in the world to do whatever you want to her, especially like in the bedroom. Like you literally have full freedom to do whatever you want with like no limitations at all. And only if they're like, comfortable. Only if they're comfortable. Exactly. You got to make them as comfy as possible. Comfy is king when it comes to ENTPs. If they're not comfortable, uh, you're, you're liable to be thrown in the dumpster, uh, no matter how manly you are. Uh, also, I understand why this happens. It happens because she has her uh, she has her uh, ne uh, or ni nemesis. So she's worried about her own future, right? So it's important to her that when she's having a relationship with you, that she's seeing like a really good investment into her future with you, and she wants to intertwine her fate with yours, knowing that if you fail, she fails; knowing that if she fails, you fail, basically. And she really is trying to get that relationship you know, to make her feel secure, make her feel comfortable with that as well. Um, and again, like I said, you know, the rewards for that is you get full freedom to do whatever you want to her and around her. And also, uh, uh, you'll, uh, you'll have someone you can always go to to ask them what they think. And they'll just tell you bluntly the way it is that way, you know how to operate and, uh, they'll constantly make you feel good make you feel valued. Um, and, um, uh, You'll be able to value her and it'll light her up like a Christmas tree, et cetera. And you won't have to worry about her you betraying you at all because she'll be loyal to you till the end of time as long as you meet those requirements. But if you meet those requirements, you're good to go. And that relationship is like literally set for like ever. So just check that out. I mean, Jab, did you tell that I was like kind of doing my William Shatner impression there for a second? Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but I mean... If you want to go back, Chase gave me some advice once, like a year ago. So he said that when it comes to ENTP women, the thing you need to be uh, very cautious of is that they're always going to try and improve. And you need to, you need to understand that that's just the way they are. Like they despise stagnation and they always want to be improving because they're improving themselves. They want you to be improving with them because they don't want to, outgrow you and feel like that they're too good for you because that's going to break their heart. Exactly. So they well don't want to get Jeb. so much better than you that they have to look down on you because if they're looking down on you, then they're no longer going to respect you. And if they no longer respect you, they're that, not comfortable that's going anymore. to hit them in the NI nemesis. Yeah. That NI nemesis is going to be like, Oh my God, this future, future is with this person. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to not, NE nemesis their intentions and be like, oh my God, they think I'm not good enough for them when they're trying to improve me. Yeah, don't you jump to, to conclusions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need to give them the benefit of the doubt. And this is more of a, I want us to improve together as opposed to, you're not good enough for me, therefore you need to improve. And definitely, I, I, I think I might even just be repeating myself. It's not about, you know, they, they want you to, rise up with them and they don't want you to be stagnant so i don't know what more to say other than that yeah chase is getting <laughs> I mean, he's always had the hots always always yeah. flamboyant yeah let's 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 definitely do that like 
Exactly. Know? Yeah. I mean, I in a parallel universe, we're a gay couple. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In and out of the closet uh, for that <laughs> parallel universe, for sure. Uh, <laughs> um, how do I feel about duality? Uh, oh, God. Oh, man. I've just been is triggered. This the, time? <laughs> is this the sixth time that Christian has been asked? I think it's going to be uh, uh, Duality can go burn in a dumpster fire going down a hill and uh, go in, 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 and fall into the depths of the pits of hell forevermore. Duality is a lie. Yeah, that's how I quick, feel about duality. Quick, quick <laughs> someone make a meme of Chase's face looking all disgusted. And then the question at the bottom is, what do you think about the duality? Like, really? Duality? <laughs> <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know we answered that in the previous no, Q&A No offense, Gilly. I'm not, a... not trying to be offensive to you at all. It's okay. Uh, people ask me that question all the time. But yeah, I, I really I really don't like duality at all. It's it's absolutely right. terrible. Yeah, it's a uh, it's really high camaraderie, but it, it for shoulder to shoulder relationships. But it's definitely not a face to face relationship at all. Uh, not uh, not ideal. Um, yeah, always make new emojis, please, in the Discord server. Uh, that is uh, awesome. What's the next question, Jab? Um, okay, you mentioned the children being able to switch between the types in their quadras. When your type is set, where you can no longer. Sorry, when is that your type set where you can no longer switch between these types in your quadra? Okay, what? So Give what this person is saying... There. Yeah, um, translate, please. When it, when, so what they're saying is when you're a child, you are in a quadra and you bounce between the four sides of your mind before one gets set as your personality and your ego. And what they're asking is when does that happen? Okay, so when does it get set in their so when they hit adolescence? When they hit adolescence is when it gets set into their ego, for sure. So around eleven to thirteen? If they hit if they have trauma in their life, it can actually be before that because they get stuck in that side of their mind. Now if they come out of trauma before uh, adolescence, then there's still a chance for them to explore the rest of their quadra. We're gonna be diving into this deeper in season 17. It's gonna be talked about uh, consistently there as well as the uh, the next uh, method for how to type somebody as well in uh, season 17. And that I'll be uh, going over that uh, at, at length uh, for sure. Um, All right, the next question is, oh, it's like a uh, FWP kind of question, but it is what is the purpose of each type? So does each? So I think this is more like a grand plan esque question. Like, does every perp, does every type have a purpose in humanity? Uh, absolutely. Uh, the reason why is is that every type itself is basically a puzzle piece. It's only a piece of. Uh, it's only a piece of the total human cognition that's available to humanity. Yes, there's some pieces that are rarer than others, uh, but then again, if you look at it, uh, I'm like, I can't believe I'm going astrology right now, but I've been playing a lot with uh, the cardsoflife.com for front for uh, for fun, uh, and I don't really do astrology, but uh, if you think about it this way, uh, there's very there's much there's fewer people born in winter than there are people born in summer, for example, or or the fall or et cetera, you know, statistically, right? How often do you hear about people born in, you know, uh, May, June, July, August, September, compared to people who are born in December, right? There's, it's obviously a lot less, right? So think about that in terms of type. There's some types that are more common than others, but again, it's still a puzzle piece. 
Why? Well, guess what? You have puzzle pieces everywhere in this big puzzle, and you still have the corners, right? There's less corner pieces or side pieces, basically, in total than there are the rest of the pieces in the middle, obviously, right? So with that being said, uh, you have to look at each type as a specific puzzle piece. And those, um, and and you can even use a like a an analogy uh, like like God, for example. I think I think Soren Kierkegaard said this. Correct me, somebody, uh, please. But um, whoever that philosopher was that said about how you know when God looks at humanity, he's seeing his 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 image in the mirror. He's looking at his face in the mirror, basically. And that's because each humanity is a piece of that mirror basically. And that's the purpose of type. No one type is better than the others. Everyone has their strengths and their weaknesses and it's very balanced in perfect puzzle pieces that fit together with certain other pieces uh, with compatibility, with camaraderie, depending on different situations, different kinds of relationships, but it all fits together in this interesting matrix. And that's not a two dimensional matrix, it's actually a four dimensional matrix. Um, because you also have to account for the metaphysical plane outside of the three-dimensional plane as well. So it looks like um, a kind of a donut shape, actually, more so uh, with all the different aspects of cognition. Uh, if you're going to look at all of the uh, specific uh, dimensions of cognition, it's actually a, just a giant sphere uh, with all the dimensions where you have um, eight cognitive functions uh, times four sides of the mind uh, you know, and each, um, and then you have like eight times eight times eight times eight, uh, you know, cubed or beyond cubed, basically, uh, you have that many total dimensions available to you and types basically, cause you have a cognitive function that is responding from a superego standpoint versus a cognitive function that's responding to an ego standpoint, the data and the information that flows between all these cognition functions, you know, it, it literally kind of looks like a, a, almost like a Tesla coil actually, and how the energy moves throughout, you know, as if you like cognition itself is an energy, right? And that's how that works. So each type specifically is a piece of that puzzle, this grand puzzle, this grand design, right? And uh, that's why mm -hmm. every type is really important as a result. Um, right. So, okay, cured catering. Being uh, Carl Jung, personality said. types, any parts to look out for? Uh, yes, uh, the cognitive senses. Uh, Carl Jung, uh, basically, when it talks about personality types, the section that he speaks about uh, cognitive senses uh, regarding, uh, you know, the top two functions, which according to Carl Jung, it was just only the two senses. Uh, he didn't really talk about the rest of the senses in terms of there being an, an actual function stack, just that he could identify the top two. And that was good enough for him basically at that point in time. Uh, anything relating to cognitive senses, according to Jung is definitely what I would recommend. But John Beebe, Dr. John Beebe actually fleshes that out even more. So that's what I would recommend you uh, check out um, uh, Cured Catering uh, from that point of view. Right. Um, on a side note, there is actually some a, a really interesting YouTube question. So I'm going to skip to that for one quick second. Sure. And Let's do it. Let's do it. This is consisting of two people. So the first one says, I'm an identical twin. We are both INFJ. Is that common? I can't find other twins like us. And then that's followed up with another comment by someone called Gilly who says, Pam, I'm an identical twin as well. And we have identical twin sons. None of us have the same type. So... 
I mean, I would have so, commented that that just shows that type is not genetic. <laughs> yeah, type type is not genetic. And also, uh, if you're identical twins and you have the same type, it's very unlikely that you actually have the same type. Uh, it's probably right. one of you is a P or a J or one of you is an E or an I, basically, in that regard. It's just a lot of people are so used to mistyping people because they're not following the methodology presented by the type grid according to Linda Behrens or Stephen Montgomery, et cetera. And they're actually following the more uh, letter-based dichotomies according to Isabel Myers, right? Or the David Kiersey's of the world, um, which is something that I don't recommend. Uh, so typically most people are mistyped. I would say the MBTI test is probably 20 to 25% accurate uh, on average. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, well, I, I think, um, I think Nova said this right jab where it's like, if you take an MBTI test, you're 1.5 times more likely to have a mistype basically was, uh, right. based on some statistics or something that she read recently. Uh, I remember reading a research article. I think I spoke about this in a previous video. If you, if you retake it, you have a 40% chance of getting a different type. And that's beyond the already inconsistencies within the test. It just goes to show the inherent biases within each of us based on our state of mind at the time of which we're taking the test. Well said. Let alone yeah. the problems with the test itself, which would amplify beyond that 40%. Yeah. So you have human error of the test giver and the human error of the test taker. Like, what are you going to do? It's, it's, it's a problem, right? So, and you have the type of the person who developed the test to begin with. You have the type of the person that's actually taking the test and how are they going to respond? It's not a one size fits all solution. You can't do that. You just can't do that. So that way, you know, there's just, there's just no way. Um, and see, that's the problem though, that actually discredits the science itself. Because if you look at some of the most, some of the more renowned psychologists, they regard this field as, well, Jordan, like, for example, the Jordan Peterson is not is a proponent of the big five because, oh, MBTI is too inaccurate. Well, yeah, or Ty completely. Lopez, who's like, ooh, the Hexaco <laughs> test. The Hexaco test is way better than anything MBTI related. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get that the MBTI is, what, 20, 25% accurate or, what, or you're 1.5% times more likely to get a mistype. Okay, Ty Lopez, that doesn't mean that there's a problem with the science. What that means is there's a problem with the test. The MBTI is nothing more than just a test. It is not yeah. Jungian analytical psychology, seriously. But, you know, yeah. leave it up to Ty Lopez to be making that decision for everybody else and then tell everyone else that, uh, you know, Hexaco test is the, the best one where it like rates you on your narcissism or whatever. Like, okay. Right. And I, and I guarantee yeah. you a lot of people on this, on this the stream right now are Googling Hexaco test right now. <laughs> so I mean, while you're doing that, Google the, the big five while you're at it. Uh, like LOL right. want to buy human nature versus human nurture, please. Plucks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, because of that shitty test developed by Isabel Myers, the entire science gets a bad rap. <laughs> Yeah, I have no nothing else to say. Let's just keep moving forward. Um, next question: What should triple direct people do? Oh, I can hear myself. Oh, all right. Well, what happened? Did you... I didn't do anything? Am I on your speakers? Nope. I reset the audio engine. Let's see if that helps. All right, I I can still hear myself. 
can you can you go into your Discord settings and set it to your microphone? Yep. Stand by. I think it Discord settings. Changing to the microphone. You still hear me? Hello, hello. Hello, can you hear me? No, I can't. I can't hear myself. Perfect. All right, let's go forward. Awesome. Um, where was the question? Where did it go? There it is. Um, so, what should triple direct people do in situations where one needs to be more informative? Oh. Oh, that's a great question. I love that question. <laughs> who asked that question? Like, seriously, who asked that question? Hakon. Oh, okay. All right, Hakon. Uh, thank you for asking that question. That's that's really deep. Uh, so what types are triple direct? Let's talk about that first. So it's, uh, I believe it's ESTPs and ISTPs. Yeah, STPs. STPs are triple direct. Uh, and they need to be more informative. Okay, so what you guys need to do in that situation is actually um, you have to be gentle basically you can be direct but you want to be as gentle as possible make it more fe oriented try to engage your extroverted feeling be as gentle as possible give them a good experience uh when when you can and uh also uh because you shouldn't try to be informative you should not try to be informed at all. Like, don't do that. Like, if you're going to do that, you're going to engage, like, your superego. So imagine that ENFP superego coming out and being informative or that INFP superego coming out for uh, the ISTP. Not recommended. Like, don't do it. Just just stay away. Just stay away from that entirely. Uh, so be direct. Still, still be direct. But just make it, just be as gentle as possible. Focus on being a gentleman. Like, literally or gentlewoman, be as gentle as possible and treat the other person like they're delicate. Um, now, of course, when you're trying to be informed in that situation, why, why, why do I need to be delicate or informative? I mean, it completely goes against STP nature. STPs exist to make other people stronger. That's why they exist. They are, they are all about strength building. Finding strength in other people's, detecting strength, building strength in others, building loyalty into others, building obligation into others. Uh, like, for example, uh, an STP in my life is very close to me, and uh, I actually started learning martial arts specifically so I could take him down because he bothers me every now and then, and he can get pretty violent <laughs> if left unchecked. Uh, wow. One of the greatest uh, contributions he ever made to me was gently telling me, that I need to have more respect for elderly people. And uh, this is coming from an STP who spent a lot of time uh, as in old folks' homes as a nurse, you know, and even though he's like getting all cranky at people sometimes, you know, has a very large black book with all the women he's been with, et cetera, he, he really did care and he really did care about people. And uh, he, he did, he always maintained, you know, for like, he maintained with me that, you know, that I did not have enough respect for the elderly. Right. And he changed that. And he made me stronger to making sure that I always have respect for the elderly, which I do. And it's specifically because of his influence. Right. And yeah, he's triple direct and he had to be direct about that, you know, but so yeah, as STPs, please continue to be direct. Just be gentle. That's it. If you're concerned about how people are going to receive you, just be gentle. 
and make it more FE oriented. And if FE is not going to work, just focus on your S extroverted sensing as gentle as possible. It is harder though for ISTPs to be gentle uh, than ESTPs because ESTPs have more SE awareness, which means they're able to be more uh, gentle. So this is the difference between Dwayne The Rock Johnson versus Eminem. The Rock is an ESTP, Eminem is an ISTP, but you can automatically tell that The Rock is way more gentle than Eminem, for example. So if you're an ISTP, you really have to try extra hard to be as gentle as possible uh, because the ESTP kind of has you beat on that side. Uh, so just 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 remember that the if you're if you're dealing with somebody who's like super sensitive and you kind of feel the need to go in the direction of being informative and you're triple direct and you're concerned that it's just gonna be too bad, just switch on the gentle. Just put on the gentleman, put on the gentlewoman, be as gentle as possible because they're like this delicate flower and whatnot. And uh, I think that they'll be able to receive your message and you'll actually be able to teach them something and make them stronger instead of potentially alienating them, which is what you're afraid of doing. So that's how I'd answer that. Right. Okay, next question. Uh, do you know of any mature ISTPs? Yeah, and I'm guessing my former boss, uh, who was uh, my supervisor, is ISTP, and he made me into a better engineer. Uh, absolutely fantastic individual, constantly questioning me at every turn, verifying everything that I do, and it got kind of a little creepy every now and then because, like, he'd like put surveillance cameras everywhere and watch what we're doing sometimes, which is really <laughs> annoying. Like, really annoying how ISTPs yeah. do this. And they do this because they're so they can be insanely controlling because they're concerned that their freedom will be taken away from them if they're not controlling others for some reason. Uh, but that's their ESTJ shadow. Uh, so it's not it, it's actually can be a good thing for those other people to be controlled in that regard, uh, and it can actually be useful and helpful to them because uh, those people are probably not being not willing to be taught by the ISTP. So the ISTP is like, okay, well, you're not willing to allow me to teach you. So I guess I have to control you then. If you don't want to be controlled by an ISTP, you need to be teachable. Like it's that simple. Allow yourself to be teachable and then you will not be controlled anymore. And the ISTP will be your best friend basically. And that's how I had this relationship with my supervisor. I decided one day that I was going to stop being a stick in the mud and that I was going to allow myself to be teachable and actually listen to him for once instead of just arrogantly believe that I had all the answers myself. Because remember, FI users, they're very likely to be selfish human beings. TI users, they're very likely to be conceited, prideful, arrogant human beings, right? And I was being arrogant and uh, I had to humble myself. So I humbled myself around him and I allowed him to teach me, right? Uh, and then as, as a result of that, I was able to see his brilliance. I was able to learn a lot of new skills. I was able to become way better in my career as a result and land this job that I have now in the Bay Area specifically because of his influence. And I definitely see him as a grand mentor. And I actually got the opportunity after having that experience with him and having that relationship with him in that way where my boss called me and asked me for uh, – uh, a letter of recommendation so he could get an even higher job. And I did. Mm -hmm. Since when do people hear about their former bosses calling them for a letter of recommendation? Like that doesn't happen, right? Well, it did right. happen with me. And that just goes to show. And uh, yeah, he's a very mature. He's the most mature ISTP I've ever met. He's up there with my, with my ISTP cousin as well, uh, who are very mature, very well-developed human beings. 
And uh, I even coached an ISTP last night, actually, who's definitely in the top five ISTPs I've ever met. Um, and, uh, you know, people like her and uh, people like my former boss, my cousin, it just goes to show how awesome ISTP can actually be with their contributions to fellow human beings. You just have to listen to them. You have to be teachable. Otherwise, if you're arrogant and not teachable, they're either going to control you, shackle you, or light you on fire because you probably deserve it. So. All right. All right, let's go with the next question. Uh, this is basically a callback to when we were bashing the four-letter system of MBTI and being like, so what this person is asking or what they're saying is INFJs and INFPs apparently are often mistyped for the other, suggesting similarity. And of course, the four-letter MBTI designations are similar, but the four cognitive functions in the ego are completely different. Given this, how can the similarities in mistyping exist? That comes down to the JP letter. Okay. The reason why is because uh, they both have um, NFJ, like the INFP has an NFJ shadow, and the INFJ has an NFP shadow. So they both have they both have similar components to the other already within their souls. And the, given that we live in a shadow-focused society and the first world nations of the earth are shadow focused, they're not subconscious focused. Usually third world countries are uh, subconscious focused. Based on that, their uh, people are more integrated with their shadow side. So the INFJ would statistically be more integrated with the NFP, ENFP shadow, or the INFP would be more statistically integrated with their ENFJ shadow. And because of that, when they take the test, the test can't really differentiate using the letter dichotomies of the cognitive functions. And it has a hard time keeping track of the J versus P, which is why statistically people that claim they're INFJ are actually INFP. And people who claim we're INFP are actually INFJ. Another way of looking at it is INFPs have FI hero. FI hero is a decision judging function, decision making. FI heroes for decision making, yet they are a P type according to the MBTI. See, Socionics doesn't have this problem. This is actually where, where Socionics is actually stronger than the MBTI. Uh, specifically uh, because of that. And uh, INFJs, although they are J-type according to MBTI, their hero is NI hero, which is a perceiving function. It's actually a P function, right? So it's just a limitation of the MBTI system in and of its own right. If you want to find out more, watch uh, the episode titled, How Do INFJs Compare to INFPs? I actually talk about this at length for like literally 90 minutes. You can figure all that out and understand exactly why they are different and should be different. So check right. out that lecture. Well, another point of contention is it's not only true with INFPs and INFJs. It's also INTPs, INTJs. Yeah. Um, I know. I've personally ENFPs, ran into that problem. ENFJs, ENTPs, yeah. ENTJs. I mean, we have talking with famous people like literally saying that I'm an ENTJ and he made multiple videos about me being an ENTJ. And I'm like, wow, bro, you're totally doing that same thing that the MBTI gets wrong. Congratulations. Right. I am so not shaking your hand. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's go to that next question. All right. So this one's a bit of a long one, so bear with me. All right. Bearing. Okay. So this person thinks that they, they're fairly confident that they're an INTP. Okay. However, listening to your INT, who are the INTP video, and you say INTP love telling stories, but he dreads it. Is that a sign that I am not an INTP or that I'm an unhealthy INTP? Since one, I am not interested in sharing stories with people, and two, even though I am drinking champagne and magically switching to friendly and talkative, 
and manage to end up entertaining folks, I get no joy from this. It is taxing and the conversation is pointless. I have to go rest in solitude the next day. I mean, it could be like, like it could be like SE inferior because he's insecure about telling stories to other people because he may not have stories to tell. Uh, but the thing is, though, mm -hmm. as an NTP, I had similar experiences when I was younger. I didn't have enough life experience to actually be able to provide those stories. And I was always mm -hmm. so enamored by everybody else who's able to um, to tell stories. Right. And uh, right. And then, and eventually, one day it clicked because I had enough life experience to actually tell all those really cool stories that I've that I've done, you know, in the past. So, I, I definitely could see how an NTP would have that. It's just a lack of life experience. Basically, it needs more SI information. I, I think a crucial piece of information is left out of this statement, and I think it's how many people are the story being told to. Telling stories to one person is different to telling stories to a crowd of people because that goes from introversion to extroversion because it sounds Correct. like he's getting worn it's out inferior. by being too extroverted. And he talks about champagne and then he mag magically becomes extroverted, which is into his shadow. He can tell the stories, but too much extroverting wears him out. So the question is, does he also hate telling stories if it's like in a one-on-one -on -one situation? Right. So the context of the conversation, if the context is there's more people, of course, you'd be more tired out. If it's just, if it's just one person at a time, it'd be an issue. And yeah, an FE inferior would be stressed out in ESFJ subconscious mode to be able to handle that for sure. And right. it's interesting how he says, you know, when he drinks alcohol, he goes to his ENTJ shadow, which kind of seems like it's very pointless. It's like SE trickster and there's not really any TI in there. It just kind of seems pointless. He's just giving people a good experience. Okay, yeah, whatever. And then, yeah, but what, what about me? What am I getting out of this, right? Uh -huh. and, that, and that's a very SI child point of view uh, from, uh, from that yeah. point. And uh, yes, I've looked into an Enneagram, Jason Rodriguez. Yes, I have. <laughs> and I don't like Enneagram because Enneagram has a hard time differentiating between human nature and human nurture, which is why I don't talk about the Enneagram because I think it is a very limiting system. So, Okay, next question. Advice for getting over any parent and deciding on a path forward. Can any other type help the situation? So advice to an NE parent finding the absolute best path forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just go to somebody else and ask them, hey, what would you want to do if you were in my shoes? Specifically an eye right. user. Problem solved. Right. <laughs> what do you think I should do? Or, well, or, if or, or, or if you were in my shoes, if you were me, what would you want to do? You, you pose the question that way. Exactly that way. Mm. Uh, Zen Moods asks, how can we get coached by you, Chase? Uh, there is a coaching link in the description of all of my lectures on YouTube. You can also go to csjoseph.life, click coaching, and off to the races, basically. What you got? Yeah. What you got, Jack? Uh, What's ne next? N next question is, what do you think of the term ambivert? Ambivert. Uh, ambivert is not anything that exists. It's not actually real. No. Nope. Right. 
isn't that just shadow integration, the ability to swap between two sides of your mind? Or it's total It's total integration because remember, uh, your shadow and your subconscious are, are always the opposite version of your uh, ego. So if your ego is introverted, then that means your subconscious and your shadow sides of your mind are extroverted and vice versa, mm -hmm. right? So if you're like an ambivert, that just means you're integrated on one of the other sides of your mind. You can switch between the two very easily. So you come off as an ambivert in various situations. Now, what types are typically told that they're ambiverts? ENTPs for one, my type, we are the most introverted of the extroverts. Why is that? Because mm -hmm. when we go to social events, we're actually uncomfortable and then we get stuck in our ISFJ subconscious while in those social events until someone, usually an NJ, comes up to us making us comfortable, uh, inviting us to talk to people, introducing us to people, etc., getting us out of our comfort zone and making us more comfortable in this new zone that we're in uh, typically. Another way to look at it would be INFJs. Though they are introverts, they are the most extroverted of the introverts with all their need, their, their absolute need for social interaction and giving other people a good experience consistently while making people feel good such that, that they actually earn recognition from other people. So uh, not really into the whole uh, ambiversion thing at all. Uh, that's another thing we could throw into the fiery dumpster uh, down, the, uh, <laughs> down the hill into the pits of hell. Yeah, but theoretically, someone who was fully integrated wouldn't ambivert be an approximation as to whether they were extroverted or introverted? Yes. Yes, TE parent. Yes. I can't disagree with that. Yes. Yes, technically. <laughs> All right. This question comes from Areg, and he asks, is Robert Greene's The Art of Seduction useful for men? And in two words, yes. what valuable stuff will it teach us? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, what valuable stuff will it teach Uh, Like, you find out what your seductive style is. You can identify the other people's seductive styles from a human nurture standpoint. That's super important, right? Mm -hmm. And you also find out what seductive styles you yourself prefer like for example actually i'm going to look this up right now so um art of seduction seductive styles okay and uh let's see the nine types of seducers spice okay cool and um so mine uh my primary one is the coquette entps primarily are coquettes that's a fact um and uh, what am I most attracted to? Uh, I love the siren. Love the siren. I love the siren a lot. Um, I also um, I also have some rakish tendencies as well as like my secondary uh, one as well. Uh, I really do like the ideal lover, um, which is the the third one. Not really into dandies. Not really into dandies. Uh, not really the natural either. Not really into the uh, natural. Not into charmers at all. Nope. Not into charismatics. And not really into the star. Um, so basically for me, it's uh, it's uh, the siren um, or the ideal lover, right? And I'm kind of like primarily the coquette with a little bit of a rake uh, as like a secondary uh, seductive style. But yeah, men should absolutely know their seductive style. So also should women. And another good thing about the art of seduction is that you get this huge list of what not to do. 
which is super <laughs> important. I think people need to figure out what not to do. Now, right. if you're if you're considering if you're considering doing some seducing, uh, I'm actually going to be releasing a series uh, soon. It's going to be a private lecture series, and it's going to be the How to Seduce uh, lecture series, um, which we'll be making available uh, soon. And uh, that's going to be a um, a fantastic uh, approach for us. And uh, also, uh, um, the other the other the other thing is to uh, if you haven't done so already, seriously, do yourself a favor and watch season four. It's a playlist on YouTube or on the podcast. Listen to season four; it's only six episodes, and it's how do intimate relationships actually work. It will go very well with you to at least know that because that's the basics. And if you don't even have that, much less the content mm -hmm. of season six, if you don't have the content of season six and season well, four, six and 13, technically, which are the human nurture series or the human nurture seasons uh, in the CSJ content that's actually available. If you don't even have that down, you're definitely not going to be seductive at all for the most part, right. because people who are actually mature will be able to detect uh, those weaknesses and have nothing to do with you. And so the so the uh, higher quality lovers that you could have access to, yeah, you're not getting any of that at all. Like you may as well just move on and give up and go cry in a mm. corner um, where you belong because you're a man child. Uh, wow. So yeah, don't be a man child, uh, do what, four, six, and 13 actually tells you to do, read Art of Seduction, understand your seductive style, understand what can make you anti-seductive, et cetera. Sometimes you actually need to be anti-seductive to get people off of your back. It's very helpful sometimes, trust me. Right. So, you know, it, it, it's useful. So uh, please uh, get the unabridged audio version of Art of Seduction and literally uh, listen to the entire thing. Uh, the book is available on my website. Just go to csjoseph.life, click books, because like, it's there and you should. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just wanted to say that, uh, I know why you like the siren and it's cause I'm always serenading you. Absolutely. So on that note, let's, keep, let's keep moving. Forward. Yeah. You're always, um, you're always channeling your inner, uh, Dwayne, the rock Johnson and telling me, uh, exactly. you know, what can you say? <laughs> exactly. Um, does it take more energy to go into the shadow or subconscious? It depends. Um, typically, uh, typically because we are a shadow focused society, it's a lot easier to go into shadow. If we are in a, if you're growing up in a subconscious focused society, then it would be the subconscious would be a lot easier. There's a lot of social right. pressure and a lot of neutral issues that impact cognitive transitions. And sometimes you may be going transitioning into a type that has that has that's not as culturally acceptable or as familially acceptable, which is what my problem was, because my ego and my shadow uh, was not acceptable by my parents, but my subconscious uh, was the least accepted of them all because there was already an I, there was already two SFJs in my family, so I couldn't even be an SFJ. So I had to settle for an NT side and that was not accepted by my family because they don't want a pragmatic and their affiliative family basically. And I had to put up with that and still kind of put up with that uh, for years or, you know, in years later, and, you know, I'm still, I'm still dealing with those challenges today. Like literally today, I had, I had an interesting mm -hmm. phone call where that was proven yet to me again. 
So, so yeah, definitely it's hard to be a pragmatic if you're the uh, minority, but then there's families who are like overly pragmatic and there's one affiliative and that person ends up being alienated too, because they're like, they're trying to do the right thing and they're being forced to not do the right thing consistently. Like imagine an INFP in that kind of family, that would be just pure insanity. And actually a recent INFP that I talked to at lunch with uh, expressed that that was their childhood, which basically sucks. So, so uh, how to solve that problem? Have more children. I actually told this to somebody <laughs> earlier. If you want to make your children healthy, having uh, a lot of uh, variety of cognition available to you in your immediate family is super awesome and super helpful for like literally everyone. And if you're concerned wow. about increasing the population of the planet for uh, those who uh, are anti having babies, then do everyone a favor and adopt. Like seriously. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, more for more people in your immediate family means more cognition available, which means uh, healthier children and healthier uh, people in, in the long run. So is there a, is there a sweet spot, like a number or is it the more, the better, the more, honestly, it's really the more, the better. Although some people would argue that you get to a point where there's just too much people and then some children don't are not getting the attention. This is why I am very, very in support of something called shared parental responsibility and a shared respect parental responsibility. We have a bunch of kids and actually more than just two adults directly engaged in parenting the children. Uh, that is even more useful in the long run, especially when multiple men are present, especially because the benefits are actually increased exponentially. And you can find this out in Warren Farrell's book, The Boy Crisis, where he talks about this at length. You can also find about it in Christopher Ryan's work as well. Right. So, so uncles should take a role in helping raise, you know, their nephews and nieces. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Can you give examples of ESFP slash ESTPs using their NI inferior and having extreme willpower? I can see how this might relate to the virtue of ESFP, but as an ESTP myself, I can't see a lot of aspects in my life where this aspirational NI has come through. I am trying to keep an extremely strict budget for over one year's time for a future goal. Is this an example or something else? Yeah. Uh, really, if you want to see some good examples of people who have really good NI inferior willpower, just look at Taylor Swift. And yeah, look at I was the about Rock. to say. Like, seriously. Taylor Swift, The Taylor, Rock. Taylor Swift and The Rock. Uh, you have ESTP, The Rock. You have ESFP, Taylor Swift. And uh, if you don't yeah. agree with me on that, you need to be watching season 20 on the YouTube channel where we talk about The Rock and Taylor Swift specifically. And uh, you'll learn why they are their types. Uh, but the point is those two people, they have very well developed and I inferior. You could utilize them as an example. But basically, it's to have the strength to never give up. Like seriously, mm -hmm. not giving up. If you're giving up, that's the actual problem. That's you being NI inferior and being too afraid. Sometimes you just have to be okay with failing. You have to actually end up seeking failure and being expecting failure and not really expecting failure, but as much as like knowing that failure is the default, failure is the likelihood. And, but knowing that failure also brings you gifts, actually more gifts than success because failure will bring you wisdom, which is more valuable than fame and fortune. So recognize right. failure's importance. If you need to learn more about failure, watch the recent Star Wars film, Star Wars The Last Jedi, 
and uh, go to the uh, skip to the part where Yoda shows up talking to Luke as the tree is burning. And Yoda's speech that he gives to Luke is literally everything you need to understand how to how important failure is for augmenting that into ni inferior for absolute sure. Yeah, and delayed gratification. Yeah. Thanks, Periani. Okay. Next is just a comment from uh, Cyrillic name. And that Cyrillic is, this is name. a question. <laughs> it's a really name that I can't read properly, or at least I think I could read it, but I don't want to make an idiot of myself if I'm wrong. Okay. And that it is, you should totally consider setting up a TED talk or public lecture about your passion for typology, and how it relates to fatherlessness. Well, I could, but one, I don't know how to get into a TED Talk, and I was advised never to touch TED Talks with a 10-foot pole because recently there was someone on TED Talks telling people that apparently pedophilia was a sexual orientation, and that happened at a <laughs> TED Talk. So why would I want to associate myself with those people? You know what I'm saying? Oh. Like, there's the, That's why I haven't really gone in the TED Talk direction because, yeah... Uh, is that exactly a credible place to give a, a, a talk? I mean, that is, yes, that, is, thank you, John Allen. That is disgusting. And I, it's, it's unbelievable. I can't believe like the, the whoever runs Ted or TEDx or whatever, uh, if they even, is there anyone running that? Are they, are they filtering these people? Like, no. And I, that's not a venue that I would have any interest in participating in because of uh, speeches or people like that, that they just allow to willy-nilly give those types of, you know, ridiculous uh, talks. It's unbelievable. And it's like, well, what about freedom of speech, man? And it's like, yeah, you know, freedom of speech is fine, but you better be willing to bear the consequences of what you say regardless. You know what I mean? Like freedom <laughs> of speech does not mean you get to say things without consequences. Like, come on. So, and the consequences that they have to suffer is me not talking at their venue. Sorry. Right. Okay. I accidentally skipped this question, but fortunately it was brought to my attention. I thought I already said it, but apparently I didn't. And that is, can you elaborate more on why you think the inferior function is the most important function in the ego? Well, the inferior function can actually become stronger than the hero. If you develop it, it's cultivate it. Aspirational. Yeah, once it becomes aspirational, it becomes it becomes your strongest function. So right. for an ENTP, I could have diehard loyalty. Let me explain the diehard loyalty of an ENTP. This is why ENTPs are typically the best scouts, thieves, rogues. Hashtag World of Warcraft, right? Uh, uh, also, um, <laughs> the best spies. Uh, read uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, the story of George uh, Smiley. Um, and, uh, you know, they're so loyal. They're so diehard loyal to, uh, to their organization or their country or their nation that they can actually go behind enemy lines and live as a member of the enemy, uh, uh, become an enemy citizen while still being loyal to their previous country, right? And not be, not succumb to the culture or, or the ways of doing things or buy into the culture of the enemy. They're still loyal to their homeland, right? And that's how diehard loyal SI inferior can actually become, right? So that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why ENTPs are the best spies um, on top of, you know, there's, there's a few other ones as well. But uh, that just gives you like, 
an example um, as to why the right. inferior function is important. Everyone needs to develop their inferior function. It can be the strongest function that you have once it switches to aspirational, absolutely dominating everything. Uh, now, uh, when we talk about the demon function, that will kind of slightly skew it if people can unlock the fourth gateway, but people that unlock the fourth gateway, I mean, you're like literally getting into enlightenment territory, so that's a little bit different. So, but in terms of life here on earth, aspirational function is what you need to dominate everything and get past everything and reach your dreams as a human being here in this life and everything this life has to offer, et cetera. So yeah, definitely develop it. Mm -hmm. All right. Next question is Mr. Joseph. Can you give me a few examples of behaviors that ISTPs with poorly developed SE parents would display? Uh, with poorly developed SE parent, um, mm -hmm. abusing their wives physically. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, becoming very ragey and uncontrolled, uh, needing anger management, uh, lacking in self-discipline and being insanely impulsive on a regular basis, addictions to drugs and alcohol and anything sensual. That, that's, right. that's what happens when you don't have a developed SE parent. Yeah, I mean, that covers it. Yeah, I mean, uh, triple movement just wants to keep moving. Let's go to the next question, then. That is, how do you, as an ENTP, approach efficient studying? Might be the, might the process be like reading or reading while taking notes or listening? Just what the best circumstances are for learning about a specific subject? Probably differs depending on the type, right? So, uh... I guess I guess they're asking like how do I study or how do I get uh, right. as an ENTP. So how do you as an ENTP approach studying? Um, like, do you read? Do you read while taking notes? Do you listen while taking notes? Do you do you throw darts at a dartboard and then memorize those facts magically? <laughs> okay, so if I'm studying for like an exam that I have to pass. I'll read the entire textbook from start to finish, and then I'll just take the practice exam over and over and over again while referencing the textbook to answer those questions. That's one way that I do it. Uh, in terms of mastering a subject, uh, I basically read, and I read constantly. I probably consume on average about uh, three to five books a month right now, although I have been a yeah. little bit slower uh, recently, and I'm at about two books a month right now. But yeah, that's... That's basically how quickly I uh, I read and consume books. And how do I read so many books? Easy. I put books next to my toilet, and I have audiobooks that anytime I have downtime when I'm grocery shopping or when I'm driving or I'm on the airplane or whatever, I am listening to books constantly. Uh, so that's it. So any downtime that I have, even when I'm doing dishes or um, uh, mm -hmm. cooking, I am all about. Uh, basically audiobooks constant audiobooks so get an audible account it uh, definitely can uh, go pretty well uh, for you okay yeah i mean like chase is to read as snoop dogg is to weed am i right <laughs> wow <laughs> i like girls yeah, you... cookies just saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah Instead of weed, 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 your life is read, read, read. So Perry Ani asks, tell us about your life at the moment. How are you doing? Uh, I am very exhausted on a regular basis. Uh, being a father 
and having a day job, a salary position where the hours aren't exactly eight hours a day, uh, you know, uh, for an international company on top of uh, running CSJ. And I just started another company on the side while dealing uh, with uh, trying to get a six pack and lifting three to four times a week uh, to that end while doing uh, a lot of walking and uh, various other activities uh, as well. Uh, I'm really freaking busy and learning valuable lessons in delegation. I, uh, my executive team basically tackled me this week and said, what the hell are you doing? Tell me everything you're doing. And I showed them that uh, I updated the Trello board and like, oh, wow, it's a lot of stuff. And then we started assigning things and people started getting things done. And we've gotten more work done for CSJ this week than we have probably in the last two months combined. So uh, it's been fantastic while I've been recovering uh, from my recent sickness. Uh, and uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's basically how my life is going right now. Mm -hmm. Um. Let's see. Uh, when will you make a male versus female videos to show where types differ based on gender? Uh, I already technically did because I answered that question specifically in season 13. So refer to season 13 and you'll have the answer to that question. Okay. Is it ever worthwhile to attack a person's weakness to make them a better person? E.g. telling an ESTJ you're a bad person because of this reasons. Example, you lack empathy, you lie too much, you exercise too much. Yes. Favorites. Yes. The answer is um, yes. You only care about the status quo. What are the odds of activating the person's demon? And is there a positive outcome to doing so? Okay. Well, uh, you can attack someone's uh, weaknesses, which is usually their inferior function, but only after you've tried to get them to listen to you by attacking their critic. If attacking their critic fails, then definitely go in the inferior direction and uh, and kind of keep it uh, from uh, that standpoint. So, but yeah, that's, that's how I'd really answer that question. Attacking their demon is not really going to yield any fruit. It's not a weakness. It's actually an insanely huge strength and it will definitely come out of the cage and consume you. Like you will be in right. its belly, like in its belly, like seriously, don't, don't want to do that. You want to go to the critic right. function to appeal to their inner wisdom. If their inner wisdom is not there, then you have full rights to go after their inferior function and stab it until they listen. Of course that may right. create hatred, but you had, but you don't have any other choice by that standpoint at that point. So, right. Okay. Next question. How do the times react to the loss of a family member or friend? Or I guess just general loved one. Well, SE users, um, it's like, it's like their memories are disappearing with that person being gone and they need to like, uh, hold on to memories. Like, for example, I knew this ENTJ woman, uh, whose ISTJ daughter, uh, died, um, well before her time. Uh, she died when, uh, she'd just gotten out of high school and whatnot. It's a very sad story. And, uh, it's like, she can't even remember what her daughter even looks like you know, without having pictures or, or at least some these totems that remind her of her own daughter. And she's always afraid that she's just going to forget what she looks like. So S users have that struggle. SI users can remember, but the thing is, is that it's just, it just becomes like a fade over time, etc. And that can also be a problem. Uh, another approach, uh, um, 
you know, it's, just, it's mostly perception based, uh, quite honestly, right. uh, introvert intuition struggles because it's like that person's not gonna be in my future anymore. Expert intuition struggles because like that person doesn't have a future anymore. Uh, it's just, yeah. it's just, it's just constant. And it mostly hits people in their perception functions. Uh, it can hit them in their decision-making functions. Uh, uh, TE users could be like, well, that person wasn't smart or uh, TI users should be like, you know, I'm not going to make that decision. I'm glad I'm not going to make that decision. I get to learn from that, you know, or, um, you know, an FI user is like, wow, I feel really bad for that person. Or an FE user is going to be like, I wish I cared more about that person. Right. So it's, it's kind of, it, it's different. Uh, and just really depends on what your function stack is. Some people deal with death easier than others. And it's usually the stoic SI users that do uh, in the long run. And SE users end up having uh, the biggest struggles. Uh, like ISFPs uh, would probably struggle the most with death. SFPs and NTJs out of all types would struggle the most with death for sure, hands down. Uh, with uh, likely ISFPs having the hardest uh, pain of death uh, out of everybody, um, which is interesting because they go really well with the stoic ISFJ or ESFJ to help comfort them through that process. Uh, so just there's there's different uh, different approaches for sure. But yeah, that was a really good question. Okay. Um, how would you recommend typing a child at a young age? Is there an approximate age to wait for their ego to develop or is it enough to type or is it possible to type them at any age? Thank you in advance. Yeah, I would type them so, at any age. Just realize that they're going to potentially change in their quadra. They could be anything in the quadra. Yeah, they could be anything in the quadra. Just type them over and over again. Uh, my yeah. son right now is holding at INFJ. He started out as ISTP, then he went ESTP, and then he's now holding at INFJ since his sister was born, and he cares for her deeply and uh, and watches out for her, and INFJs her all the time. And she's an ISTJ, and she's staying at ISTJ. I could have made an argument that she went ENFP, but she's back to ISTJ mode. Uh, specifically, she seems to be most uh, comfortable in ISTJ land. Uh, and that's kind of where she's at. Uh, but yeah, they can change their quadra. But yeah, just keep typing them, keep monitoring them. But they're but once they adolescence, that's it. They're basically that's who they are. And that's why teenagers are such a problem uh, when they're adolescents because uh, their ego is formed. And so you have to right. deal with it. And they don't necessarily know how to deal with the fact that their ego is formed per se. It's new to them and they're trying to get used yep. to it. So. All right. Next question is how do you come back from your aspiring subconscious? So you don't burn out and can use it the next day. What do you do after? Uh, you, you basically introvert or extrovert to gain additional mental energy as needed. Right. So basically don't overly extrovert or don't overly introvert. You yep. basically just need to control whether you're introverting or extroverting as a way of controlling your subconscious. Yeah. Okay. What would an INTP and their ISFP superego behave like? How to recognize it happening and how to get back to ego? Uh, the best portrayal of an ISTP and their superego, or their, an INTP and their superego, would be, I think, in Daredevil Season 1. Uh, where the Kingpin character, who is an INTP, uh, murders his father with a hammer. Uh, that is the uh, right. best portrayal of uh, an INTP superego I've ever seen. Uh, so, right. so if you want to learn more about that, watch the, the first season of Daredevil on Netflix. Okay. Matthew84, I get the impression he knows you. 
he must have went to one of your meetings. I wanted to talk to you about possible hotel locations for meeting. You mentioned it last night at the cafe, but bounce. This is on the 26th of October, by the way. Uh, I don't, I don't know, uh, because the venues that we've chosen for the meetup group, we've just been basically limited by budget. And, uh, that, that has been an issue for us while we definitely are interested in doing the hotel venues with our big conference rooms and whatnot. Uh, for sure that would have been a good approach, but, uh, we just really haven't had the budget for it. Um, and, and, Truth be told, we're about to have our Vegas meetup. And if anyone wants to go to the Vegas meetup, it's on Monday. Uh, I think it's on Monday night. Yes, of uh, next week. I'll be in Vegas. Uh, we're going to be meeting at a Starbucks. <laughs> so, you know, that's – there it is. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's basically yeah. budgetary constraints. I mean, as, as we grow CSJ, we're definitely going to have a lot more um, venues as well as potentially even have an entire networking conference uh, available to people uh, around, uh, around the world, uh, to come, which could be held at Vegas or other uh, venues and locations as a result. So definitely realize that it's a thing and, uh, we're getting there, just not quite yet. Uh-huh. Okay. Next question is, is development of hero and nemesis function re- correlated? Uh, yes, definitely. And I talk about this at length in, uh, season, uh, 16 episode five because they are on uh they're not on an axis they're more in orbit of each other and how they interact with each other and energy does get exchanged etc so so jab uh we're actually a little bit over on time right now uh you want to do like one or two more questions yeah we can uh yeah, yeah, yeah let's just keep pushing forward um all right, so this person comes from someone called Leo, and they're asking, watching your vids on femininity and masculinity and the four pillars of self, self-intimacy, namely how gender has a role in it, I've been wondering how gay people fit into it, if they do at all. Okay, yeah. Uh, so uh, gay people, homosexual relationships, be it lesbian or just uh, you know masculine relationships, uh, it, one person chooses the yin role, the other person chooses the yang role. Uh, which means you end up having someone who takes on the masculine role and someone who takes on the feminine role. So all of my human uh, nurture uh, lectures from season four, season six, and season 13 directly apply to homosexual relationships based on the role that the person is taking within the relationship itself, basically. Uh, So remember, yang energy is more of the masculine and yin energy, the pliable energy, the bendable energy is more of the feminine and uh, that is directly applied. Uh, so just just keep that in mind uh, when you're watching seasons four, six, and thirteen to that end. Mm-hmm. Um, does type affect IQ? I think a few of these we could go through really quickly. No, the answer to that is no. Even ESFPs uh, or or ENFPs with TI trickster can have insanely high IQs. No, thank you. That no type does not affect IQ at all. Um, how does SE Demon handle driving? Uh, SE Demon handle driving. Uh, I have seen uh, SE Demon handle driving uh, personally. You thrash the shit out of your cars? Yeah, I destroy my cars. <laughs> I absolutely destroy them. I overrev the engine. Uh, they they look like pieces of crap after I've driven them. I, <laughs> I destroy vehicles like crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless I care about the vehicle. If I care about it, 
then I will take very good care of it. And I would be very upset if someone else screws with it. But if I don't care about the vehicle, I'm going to treat it the way it is. It's a piece of crap. I'm going to treat it like a piece of crap. So that's basically the SE Demon approach. Also, SE Demons are very, uh, very good at, uh, uh, at, at driving sometimes, uh, especially, uh, I know I'm really good at driving. I have seen some ENFPs who are also insanely good driving uh, to the point... Uh, I've even seen INFPs like, um, uh, for example, um, Ryan Gosling did this film called like drive or driver or something like that. I think it was drive actually. And he's an INFP in that film. And, uh, and, uh, it's, it's perfect. It's so well done seeing INFP driving in that regard that, that the discipline, the absolute control over the road is insane. And they, they can be really good uh, drivers in street racing. Not something that what I would recommend from like a drag racing standpoint. That's more of an SP thing and not really an NP thing, but uh, to each their own. All right. What is likely going to cause an ISTP to become depressed? Uh, lack of freedom, lack of choices, uh, which will lead to melancholy and depression. And uh, if they feel that they're being or think that they're being controlled basically, mm -hmm. and they have no control over their life. And because they have no control, then they have no freedom. And it's just lack of choice, basically. Okay. Do you think your TI parent affects your understanding of cognitive functions and influences your attitudes towards depth psychology? Wouldn't an INFJ co-host be particularly helpful to you when typing others? Oh, this person's trying to get me replaced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the answer is no. <laughs> But they're they're literally trying to claim they're trying to claim that I'm biased. They're, I'm biased, Jab. I, I'm biased. Obviously. What a coincidence! The person who said maybe you should get an INFJ to help you type just ha so happens to be an INFJ. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Now? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. okay. parent is just sitting here, like tapping its foot on the floor, arms crossed. I know, right? Get that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's kind of like that 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 person from uh, the movie Hook, and they have that little that that chest of horrors that they put all these poisonous uh, animals inside, and they throw a person inside that chest, and then throw them over the side of the uh, of the ship. You know what I mean? Except we have something similar, except it's a chest full of you know I don't know uh, cats or something. You know, <laughs> lots of cat bites after that one. <laughs> Oh, I'm tired. Forgive me. <laughs> um, all right. I think we do one more. All right. One more. One more. Okay. How can I explain to my INTP who's unfamiliar with cognitive functions that I don't mean him any ill intent? He's had some really bad relationships in the past, a lot of cheating. Many of our fights stem from assumed ill intent. I have told him outright that I'm never trying to hurt him and have worked very you hard to relay that fear. Tell him to stop comparing you to other people from his past. You are your own person, and it is bullshit yep. that this INTP yep. is comparing you to other people in his past. You are not those people. Right. Like, literally, no. No. Uh, yeah, and and and, it, and to literally tell him that if he keeps doing this, you're going to leave him. Like, that you can literally <laughs> tell him to his face, like, I don't want you anymore if you are going to do this to me. That's it. Right. I don't feel good about you, and I don't want you anymore. Say literally those that sentence to him or sentences to him directly. You will change your behavior, or I don't want you anymore, and you're not making me feel good. Bye-bye. 
into the dumpster. That guy goes. Dumpster. Dumpster. Anyway, um, I think that, uh, do you want to take some quick questions from YouTube? Yeah, okay. I'll do a couple fast questions from YouTube. Fire it up. Let's see what we got. Uh, Question. What advice should I give to an ENFP mother raising an ISFJ son, father's absence, both in the grip of their inferior? Ooh, that's rough. Uh, Raising an eye, well, assuming they're not mistyped, uh, basically do not give that ISFJ son any freedom whatsoever. Do not give him a choice ever. You tell him and you dictate and you obligate him to do everything and tell him what the standard is, period, end of story, and he does not get a choice. That's the first thing. That's like the best thing you could do for an ISFJ son. You do not give him freedom. Uh, you structure everything appropriately. You tell him what he should do. You have to obligate him, which is really hard for an ENFP to do because the ENFP is like, you have choices, do whatever you want, which is like literally the worst thing you could ever do to an ISFJ son. Never do that to an INSJ. You have to tell them what to do. You have to tell them what they should do. You have to uh, uh, obligate them because they're very uh, dutiful right? So be very, very careful. And I have seen an ENFP father with an ISFJ son. And that was really hard. He actually, it was one of my very, very first uh, coaching sessions I ever did. And it was about five or six years ago uh, that I did this. And he's like, I'm having some real trouble with my son. What do I got to do? And I'm like, and I, and I literally spent a whole afternoon with them just watching interactions. And I'm like, look, you give him too many choices, man. You just got to be like, stop just stop <laughs> stop giving him choices you letting him make right. you know you do that for your other son but you don't do that for him you have to tell him tell him like you, you have to look at him and be like you're going to bed right now get in bed and direct him and i tell this to an enfp and the enfp's like but i feel bad doing that and i'm like well you need to feel good doing that because you're actually giving your son what he needs and he'll respect you more and he'll become a more respectable person as an isfj oh really and then he did it. And I remember him calling me, uh, thanking me for that advice. And he actually texted me uh, a couple months back. He says, I'm still following your advice to this day. And my son's becoming a fantastic, he's growing into a man. It's amazing. You know, thank you for everything you did for me. And I'm like, wow, hearing that from an ENFP years later, that's, that's rare. But yeah, that, that was really good for sure. What about this one? Does meditation restore mental energy for both extroverts and introverts? All right, hold on. So Yuffie's like, less choices, really? Oh, come on, Yuffie. Like, seriously, I get that you're an INFP, and maybe you consider that <laughs> everyone else in the whole world has to have choices. Like, I get that. That's like that's very any parent of you. Everyone has to have a choice. But you can't do that to an ISFJ son. You just can't do that to them. You have to limit their choices. Because, it, like, for example, when I say, here's an example uh, for limiting choices. Um, you have an SE user, an SE NI user child, and you ask them, hey, do you want to go to bed now? Or do you want to go to bed in five minutes? You give them a choice versus the ISFJ. You tell them you're going to bed now. You don't give them the choice because when you give them the choice, it engages their NI demon. You don't want to do that. You do not want to engage NI demon and teach NI demon that it can freely be a little hellion basically as an ISFJ little boy, right? You can't do that. You are actually harming the child by giving them those choices. You have to obligate them, tell them what their duty is, and tell them what their honor is, and then give them recognition for doing their honor and their duty. That's why I'm saying that. 
that's why I'm saying this horrible, evil thing of me, you know, taking away their choice specifically. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying that it's not like me being a, an ass. Like it's, it's not, it's way, it goes way beyond that. It's a lot deeper. Hey, <laughs> it what? goes way beyond you being an ass. Like that's just a small component of it. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a slight puzzle piece there, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Uh... What do we got? Um, do, 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 do. How do I get discipline? Type ENFP. How does an ENFP get discipline? How does an ENFP get discipline? Uh, yep. By forcing them to be willing to fail, forcing themselves to do things they've never done before, even if they fail, and consistently doing it over and over and over again until they make it a success. And that's how they develop self-discipline. Also force themselves to be in courageous situations where they're putting themselves in danger. That's why I recommend uh, martial arts so that they can learn how to take the hits, basically. How do I know if I'm mistyped ENTP? Find yourself an INTJ and see if you get along with them. <laughs> find yourself an I... Find yourself a jab. Find myself a jab. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Periani with a question. I'm a Slitherclaw. What's your Hogwarts house and what's Jab's house? Uh, oh, I, I think I, the same. I think I'm also a Slitherclaw <laughs> if we're like mixing houses here. The houses are very subjective. I get that people are trying to use them to, or that JK Rowling is using them to emulate the, the temperaments, the four temperaments exactly, but they're not entirely like a, t a full fit. It's kind of like how the MBTI initially approached the temperaments uh, a long time ago before they got smart and realized that they were doing it wrong. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, not 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 uh, that uh, that approach for sure. I mean, I'd like They're to say I'm wrong. Gryffindor, but uh, my ISFJ side is Gryffindor, while my ENTP is more like like a Slitherclaw, I guess. So <laughs> Ravenpuff, there you go, there you go. <laughs> yeah, someone uh, convinced me to take that test on that. Potter website, whatever it's called, and I got Slytherin, if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, fair enough. Um, my Patronus was a rat, though, so... Uh, yeah, well, my, well, my, I'd rather have that than my Patronus. It was a, it was a wild boar, so... Uh, wild boar, are you serious? Yeah, As if a rat a is better boar. than a boar. As if At least the boar can, like, run up it, and impale people. people? Yeah, okay. Exactly. Fair like, enough. What's a rat going to do? Nibble on your cheese? Well, I mean, you know, you could take it from that movie. They're talking about that guy that's like, you know, I know 200 ways to kill a man. And then the other guy interrupts him. And is like, well, you can glue an open jar of rats to a guy's face and blowtorch the other side of the jar so the rats have to eat their way out through his face. You know what I mean? And then he's like, okay, now I know 200 way 201 ways to kill a man. So they'll tell me that rats aren't useful for something. You know what I mean? Right. You gotta uh, love that S E demon. <laughs> yeah, wow. Sorry, not Ooh, sorry. We could use, <laughs> use a rat to eat through someone. Oh, How yeah. do psychedelics affect the mind? It usually puts them in their subconscious, depending if they're like not on antidepressants or affected by other psychotropic drugs of some kind or other mind altering substances. Yeah. So I think that's it, Jab. I think we're done. Um Yeah. Any other announcements you want to make? No, I think we're good. I'm I'm exhausted. I need to go to bed. Uh, thank you all for coming tonight. Uh, we'll see you all on our next stream, which will be 9 Eastern on Tuesday night, uh, 9 Eastern time. I will be releasing season 21, episode 
five or six, I think it's six actually, next, how to social engineer ESFJs. That is the next episode that will be released. And I'll be doing more season 10 and season 16 uh, this weekend as well. I don't think I'll be premiering anything anytime soon, but who knows, I may change my mind. But those episodes are coming, so stay tuned for that. And also, uh, thank you all for your support and everything that you do for this community. Uh, if you want to get your questions answered, please join the Discord server. Uh, the link is in the description uh, of all of our lectures and all of our videos here on YouTube. Go to the Discord, make the account, verify with your phone number. No, we don't get to see or keep your phone number. It's just a security precaution. Uh, I don't get to see any of that. And then once you're on the Discord server, go to the questions uh, channel, put in your questions there. We'll get them queued up and ready to go for our Q&A sessions that we have every week. So otherwise, uh, thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, we love you very much and appreciate you very much. Anything else, Jab, before we close it? Uh, in response to that statement, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll try to get some sleep. <laughs> See y'all later. Have a good night. Yep. See you all. All right. That's that.